amen, amen. Thank you, praise team, Brother Jonathan, for your leadership, musicians, and church for your response to that flooding of his presence. Amen. Thank you, amen, for creating an atmosphere where anything can happen. Amen. You believe that? An atmosphere where if we'll just open our hearts and let go, Brother Dale, God will take over and he'll do things, amen, that we are unable to do for ourselves and he will, in some cases, just blow your mind. Amen. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 30. I won't have you standing long. Amen. I will get started. I felt like as I was preparing even this morning and on the way here and during uh, the praise set there, I felt like when I gave my title this morning that that was going to be good enough for just a couple of people. Not because it's deep or it's profound or anything like that. I just really felt in the Holy Ghost that somebody came here and these four words right off the top. And I'm going to continue to preach, so don't get too excited, amen. I, I still got some preaching to do. But when I read these four words, I really feel like somebody is going to get their answer right there. And here it is. I can't stop here. I can't stop here. I felt like while we were worshiping and we were praying and we were going through the service, somebody came here this morning and needed that confirmation that this just isn't where I need to stop. I can't stop here. Amen. Now I get to preach to the rest of you. Amen. Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 30. Give honor to our pastor and their travels. Amen. They went to our uh, general conference. Amen. For the United Pentecostal Church. They had a family, uh, some type of wedding or something. I believe pastor was officiating uh, in Chicago. And so, uh, as usual, the Bufords have been very busy. And they, they would appreciate our prayers, I'm sure, in their travels. Amen. And they will be here tonight. Amen. And we will have church again. Amen. Beginning with verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. Amen. You can be seated. I want to read to you again that portion of Scripture because I want to read to you where it is found in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 53, just so that you know, amen, that Acts was not just quoting random scriptures or anything like that this man this eunuch that was in this chariot a man was reading the scriptures praise God he was doing his best if you will he was going through them and trying to understand them and for some reason Philip had ran to him and he was led and guide a man to be brought to this eunuch to bring understanding can I tell you this today that you cannot go wrong reading and researching and studying out the scriptures for yourself. Can I get an amen? That if you are looking, amen, for God and you are looking in scripture, amen, he will cause himself to be found. Can I get an amen? 
He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He, you don't need to be a scholar. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to have degrees after your name. Amen. You can just simply be reading scripture and God is going to answer you. You don't have to be any specific denomination. You don't need to be any specific anybody, amen. This was a nobody riding around on a chariot. And God sent someone to him to explain to him the scriptures. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Us, us that are not, we're just dumb fishermen, amen. We just, we're thankful that God answers us through his word, amen. So what he was reading was this. Isaiah 53 says this. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and, he, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself? Or of some other man. And then Philip opened his mouth. And I love this. And I'm just going to give you this for free. Because it's not really what I'm preaching today. And beginning at this scripture. He went to the very scripture that this man was reading. The Bible says. He preached Jesus to him. Amen. I'm not going to get into this. Praise God. But you notice. I want you to notice please. That Philip was. was re, or the eunuch was reading from the Old Testament. And Philip was explaining from the Old Testament. Because that's all that they had at that point. There was no New Testament at this point. Amen. But Philip was explaining to him. Praise God. The God of the Old Testament. And he explained to him. And preached to him. Jesus. Can I get an Amen. When he started talking to him, he did not talk to him about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. He talked to him about Jesus. He preached to him the Old Testament God, and he preached to him Jesus. Amen. Can I get an amen? Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And that's where I'm preaching from today. Amen. That question what hinders me what he was asking what is stopping me amen now we've talked about baptism a little bit here i'm this is not a bible study and this is not a message about baptism but it is a moment it is a a, a few words that stuck out to me and you know i i give it to you as i feel like god gives it to me amen and i felt like those words jumped off the page at me when he said what hinders me? What is stopping me? Amen. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Amen. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded that the chariot stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Amen. We are a Pentecostal church. Amen. There are a lot of Pentecostal churches out there. Not all of them are like us, and we are not like all of them. But we believe in the apostles' doctrine, amen, and that's why when we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, we are doing it because that's the way the apostles did it in the New Testament. That's the way they preached about the God of the Old Testament, amen, that the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, that name is Jesus Christ, amen. Can I get an amen? 
And then when we baptize, we take you all the way down in the water because every example that we have in the New Testament when the apostles did it, they went down in the water or they came up out of the water and there was significance, amen, to that because it is significance, praise the Lord, of a burial. But that's all baptism and we're not going to get into that today. But if you want to be baptized in the name, amen, and you want to be baptized according to Scripture and the Bible way, you should do it all the way in, uh, in immersion, praise the Lord, and you should do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? The eunuch had a few different types of evidence, amen, around him. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Those were the things that uh, uh, Brother Dale, that I feel like, um, inspired him to ask the question, what is stopping me? What is hindering me? Watch this. Physical evidence that he had was that as they were rolling down the road that day, they came across a body of water. And after he had heard Philip preach to him the things that he needed to do, amen, and after he had had the scriptures broken down for him, amen, and explained to him, the physical evidence that he had in that moment was, well, if that's the way that I ought to be baptized, here is the water, amen. And he asked the question, what is stopping me now? Then he got some spiritual evidence that we see, amen, because the Bible says that Philip told him, if you will believe, amen, and with all of your heart, then you can get baptized. And so we see the eunuch answers him with just two words, I believe. And we stop there because that's his spiritual evidence. We now know that he not only has a body of water, but he also has spiritual faith, amen, in what he is hearing and seeing and believing, amen. The Bible goes on to tell us, and I'm, gonna, I'm throwing this one in, amen, that it goes on to tell us, and, and we can see by his words when he said, I believe that the Son of God, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So now he's saying, I've got a body of water, so I have physical evidence. I've got spiritual evidence because I have faith, amen. And something even more powerful and just as essential is he had the revelation, amen, of the truth. And in a baptism in this case, amen. So he had physical evidence in a body of water he had spiritual evidence in his faith and he had a revelation amen that does not come just by flesh and blood amen flesh and blood doesn't reveal to us things amen but the spirit of God the presence of God the word of God hallelujah it will bring the truth into our life hallelujah if we will have if we will listen to and obey the evidence amen that we find in the scriptures and sometimes all around us can I get an amen I want to talk to you and I'm going to get away from this for just a minute and we'll come back to it in the end amen I want to talk to you about the word stop praise God I looked it up in the dictionary and what and, and as you know I'm preaching I can't stop here so what does it mean to stop the word stop means to cease quit discontinue desist meaning to suspend or cause to suspend activity stop applies to the action or progress or to what is operating or progressing and may imply suddenness and definiteness and that was in the dictionary so those are our words I didn't just make those up he was saying what is stopping me amen 
And like I told you, my subject today is not baptism. But I felt in my spirit, amen, and I felt as I began to study. And Brother Tim knows, amen, over the last week or so, I've been preparing an entirely different message, amen. But I felt as I began to pray, pray, pray over this and prepare for this, I felt like God led me into something else, amen. And I just feel like once in a while, we start to ignore all the evidence around us. And we begin to find ourselves in certain circumstances and situations where we will allow ourselves to be stopped. Can I get an amen? Where we will allow ourselves to stall out or halt, amen. But I'm here to tell you that stop sign in life that we encounter, amen, every day is no different than the one that we receive, when, that one that we come to when we're driving down the road. You would never stop and park at a stop sign just because it said stop and there was a sign there that was holding you up, amen. Some of you don't bother to stop completely anyway, amen. Hallelujah. But, but that stop sign does not mean to us to park it, leave our car there, never return, never move again, never go forward. Hallelujah. Can I encourage you today that in the travels of your life, that in the, in the, in the, the, the journey that you are on right now in your life, when you come to things that look like a bright red stop sign, can I encourage you today to not allow them to stop you there. Don't allow them to stall you out. Hallelujah. But keep moving forward because you have evidence in your life hallelujah there's sometimes physical evidence there's sometimes spiritual evidence sometimes just plain revelation that we hear from heaven and we have to lean on that to know that we may pause hallelujah at those things in our life and we may have to deal with them but we've got to continue to proceed and progress forward in the kingdom of God can I get an amen John chapter 5, amen, and I've read it and you've heard it, amen, many times, but I want to teach to you from it today, amen. John chapter 5, beginning with verse 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk and of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water hallelujah for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had now been there a long time in that case or in that in that uh, predicament in that circumstance he saith to him wilt thou be made whole he asked that man directly will you be made whole you've heard me talk about it before he asked him a direct question and I don't think that he was insulting that man he was trying to uh, amen uh, appeal back some things he was trying to reveal some things to him that he had been held up maybe not by his circumstances and maybe not by the evidence in his life but maybe in his mind in his heart in his faith amen he had allowed himself to be stopped and stalled out hallelujah in that particular circumstance so he asked him directly will you be made whole amen the impotent man answered him sir I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool but while I am coming another steppeth down before me amen Zig Ziglar said this other people and things can stop you temporarily 
You're the only one who can do it permanently. Can I get an amen? People and other things can stop you temporarily, but you're the only one that can do it permanently. Amen? If you allow yourself to be consumed by your circumstance and your situation and what's going on in your life and those things that you feel like are stopping you, amen, and you ignore all of the evidence around you that God has given you in your life, I'm here to tell you, you will stop and you will be stalled out and you will be paralyzed as a Christian. Can I get an amen? Let me tell you what Jesus did not ask him. Amen? concerning the situation that was there and the circumstances around him. He did not ask him, do you have somebody to carry you down? Yet that man gave him that, that excuse. Will the water be troubled long enough for you to get down there? He didn't ask him that. How long have you been here? He didn't ask him that. How many times have you tried? He didn't ask him that. How many have gotten there before you? He did not ask him that. He did not ask him the things that the man, amen, gave him as answers. When he said to him, will you be made whole? He said, I don't have anybody to carry me down there. I don't get there in time. In fact, as I'm on my way down there, people step over me. And many have received whatever I, the things that I was here trying to accomplish. They got them. I didn't. He did not ask him those things. He simply said, will you be made whole? Amen. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him, That was cured. It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Can I tell you when Jesus asked him, will you be made whole? He didn't ask him all of those other questions that we just covered. Amen. Because he wanted to know how comfortable are you in that bed how how attached are you to your situation how uh, paralyzed are you by your circumstances because there is evidence all around here hallelujah there is evidence all around you lame man that whenever I walk into your life uh, you've got enough evidence to know that in that moment in that hour in this circumstance you can be made whole hallelujah but you're going to have to get over the circumstances and the situations in your life amen that have hurt you and scarred you and damaged you and have made you dependent on your pain hallelujah can I preach to you just a few minutes see I feel like sometimes we as Christians get in our life and we look at the things that we're not and we look at the things that we're missing and we look at the things that we don't have hallelujah and we allow them to stop us we allow them to halt us we allow them amen to stall us out in our Christian walk with God I'm here to tell you if God has given you amen a promise if God has placed hallelujah a call in your life if he has told you amen see there are some things that we may not know about the will of God but there are things that we know are not the will of God can I tell you this it's not the the will of God that you be sick it's not the will of God that you be hurting it's not the will of God that your children be lost it's not the will of God that your family be addicted to drugs it's not the will of God that you be weak and hurting and struggling and hallelujah feel like you are drowning each and every day I'm here to tell you that he does not want you to stay there there may be a moment where you'll feel those things but there also has to be a moment where you get up and you rise above it and you lay it aside and you move forward with him 
If all you have, if the only evidence that you have is that God is on your side, can I tell you, you have enough evidence to move on. Don't let that pain in your life tell you that you're a failure. Watch this. Don't let the failures in your life tell you that you're a failure. Oh, hallelujah. Don't let the, 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 the dysfunction in your family tell you that you can't move on. Don't let, hallelujah, the unanswered prayers that you have prayed and prayed and prayed tell you that God will not answer your prayers. I'm here to tell you, God has given you a promise. I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. He does not sleep and he does not slumber. I'm here to tell you today, this morning, hallelujah, in this very moment, don't allow yourself to get comfortable. Don't embrace your pain. Don't feel like you're just going to live, hallelujah, with your dysfunction. God wants you to rise and walk God came a man that we might have life that we might have it more abundantly not that we would just have suffering and pain a man in life sometimes has suffering and pain sister K sometimes we do suffer some setbacks amen but I'm here to tell you God never intended for us to sit in one place hallelujah in our life and just embrace the dysfunction and the pain and the sickness and the sorrow he never did he intends for us to leave a to live a victorious life does that mean that everything is peachy does that mean everything is worked out and ironed out and no problems no trials oh no 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 we would never grow we would never move to the next level we would never achieve and accomplish anything if all we had was was blowing kisses and roses to heaven amen sometimes we're we're going to have some struggles and some trials, amen, and they will help lift us to the next level. Amen. I'm just going to be real with you here this morning. Amen. God never intends for our current circumstances to be our stopping place. Did you get that? No? <laughs> God never intends for the moment that you and I are in, for this to be where the place where we stop. Every day, whether we are in the valley or on the mountaintop, we have got to decide. There are more steps to be taken. There are more destinations to reach. There is more will and promise, amen, and anointing that God wants me to get to. Can I get an amen? Let me talk about Joseph for just a minute. I've got a couple that I want to go through, and I, I won't keep you long. Amen. Joseph is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and you're probably realizing that because probably every time I preach, I mention Joseph. Amen. Let me just talk to you about Joseph, a man in the will of God, and talk about some of his circumstances that most of you know. But watch this, amen. And I'm just going to go through them quickly. Joseph, a man, was hated by his own brothers, but he didn't stop. I wish I'd get an amen. I'm in an apostolic church, right? Thrown in a pit. He didn't stop. Can I get an amen? Sold into slavery, but Joseph didn't stop. He was lied about, amen, at Potiphar's house, but Joseph did not stop. He was thrown in prison because of that lie, amen, but Joseph did not stop. He became the prison director, amen, but Joseph did not stop. He was forgotten by someone that he helped within that prison system, but Joseph 
did not stop. And even when Joseph was promoted to number two charge in the, in the land of Egypt, hallelujah, Joseph did not allow himself to stop, hallelujah. I wonder how many of you and I, amen, if we were ever thrown in prison or lied on, amen, or, or betrayed, hallelujah, or forgotten, or thrown in a pit, or sold into slavery, or, or our brothers, amen, just wanted to kill us, but the, only, but the second best thing they came up with was to throw us down in a well and then sell us into slavery. I wonder how many of us would sit there with our arms folded, Brother Keith included, hallelujah, that would sit there with our arms folded and oh me and oh my, and there's no way God, hallelujah, is with me. But Joseph understood that the evidence around him was this. He always remembered that daddy taught him, you're special, hallelujah. He always remembered when he looked back, I've got evidence, faith evidence that God gave me a dream that one day, hallelujah, the sheaves would bow down to me and the, the sun and the moon and the stars, hallelujah, would pay their homage to me. I believe that Joseph kept looking around. Oh, I know that all around me is bad and terrible and my circumstances, hallelujah, are very, very negative. But I remember when God told me one day he's gonna do something with me and surely this is not it. And Joseph refused, hallelujah, to be stopped in his circumstance. Amen. Joseph, no matter how bad it became, no matter what he ran into, hallelujah, remembered God has a plan. God's in control. God can do this. God can bring me out. Hallelujah. None of these places for Joseph became permanent stopping places. They may have been destinations. Watch this. But they were not his destiny. Oh, hallelujah. They may have been destinations in Joseph's life. Amen. And we can never deny that Joseph went through them. We can never deny that Joseph found himself in those circumstances. But they were never designed for him to stay there and be there and take up root and dwell there. Hallelujah. Joseph knew, I've got to keep pressing forward. I've got to keep doing right. I've got to keep doing what I know has to be done. Hallelujah. I believe that Joseph, regardless of how low he got, continued to call on the name of his Lord. Hallelujah. Continued to call on the name of his God. Hallelujah. No matter where he went, no matter what he went through, he knew that this can't be it. This can't be the end game. This can't be the, hallelujah, the destiny that I have been designed for. Hallelujah. I've got to keep pressing. I've got to keep fighting. I've got to keep climbing and scratching and clawing and believing and praying and fasting and stay in God's word. This isn't the end game. Hallelujah. Amen. I can't stop here. I can't. Amen. Paul, hallelujah, in Acts chapter 28, turn with me if you will there, Acts chapter 28, beginning with verse 1. Now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta and the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said one to another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. Isn't that interesting? Amen. You know, sometimes we kind of feel like that. We see somebody going through stuff. We go, well, they're kind of getting what they have coming to them. Amen. Still with me Sunday morning? Anybody ever said that about somebody? 
Has anybody ever been in your private prayer, amen, and had things collapse and an avalanche come in on you in your life and you say, well, you know what? I probably had that coming. Amen? Can I tell you that that's the voice of the enemy? That that is a lie from hell? Hallelujah. These folks were just, they were just using some deductive reasoning. They said, well, you know, they got out in the middle of that storm. That didn't kill them. They wrecked the boat on the land. That didn't kill them. They got out and floated on little bitty pieces up to the beach. That didn't kill them. And so Paul, the, the, the cold and the rain didn't kill him. So Paul's gathering sticks and a snake latches onto his hand, amen. And they go, oh, <laughs> he didn't get away from that one, did he? And so their, their deductive reasoning, amen, because that's what we do in our flesh. In our flesh, we, we look at our circumstances and somehow, some way, Brother Miller, we feel like we deserve it. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we look at other people's circumstances and situations and we go well they kind of got what they had coming to them if they wouldn't have done this that and the other thing then that wouldn't have happened and so that's just kind of that's just kind of justice amen that's what these men were saying they were saying amen he just kind of got what he had coming to him so he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm however they were still expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, well, now he's not a murderer, he must be a god. <laughs> Don't we give one another a little bit too much credit sometimes? In, in our trouble and in our triumph, sometimes we give one another a little too much, too much uh, credit for that. So in the region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days and it happened that the father of this man lay sick of a fever and dysentery a man and Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him so when he was done the rest of those on the island who had disease also came and were healed they also honored us in many ways and when we departed they provided such things as were necessary amen if we were to go back, because I'm reading to you in, in uh, chapter 28. If we were to go back to chapter 27, amen, you all would see a timeline of things that took place in Paul's life that as many stories that we read in the Bible, that if half of those things happened to you and I, we would probably just figure this is the end, that's it, God's done with me, and, and uh, I'm just going to hang it up. Let me just go over a few of those things because I gave you a timeline of Joseph. Let me just give you a few here in chapter 27 and chapter 28 that Paul went through. First of all, Paul was arrested. Paul's warnings were ignored. A great storm blew in. They were about to be killed by the guards because the guards didn't want the prisoners to escape off of the ship, so they were going to kill them. The ship ran aground. He and they, the prisoners, clung to debris to get to shore. The island natives took them in and tried to care for them. It was cold and raining. Paul gathered firewood and a venomous snake bit him. Those standing by thought because he was a prisoner, it must have been that he was a murderer. And this was just justice that he had been bitten and now would die. Then Paul shook, off, shook the beast off in the fire that he had just kindled. And because he has no side effects from the bite, the Bible says that they changed their minds. Amen. Think about that timeline, that trouble that Paul went through. And, and to be honest with you, Brother Dale, that's not all the trouble Paul ever had in his life. This is just one of Paul's stories. 
This is just one of the circumstances that he found himself in. That's a lot of trouble, Brother Barry. That's a lot of trouble to be in in just a matter of a few nights. That's, that's a lot to end up when, even when you crash up on a beach, amen, and you feel like you've made it, amen, and then that viper latches on to your hand, amen, and they expect it to be for your death. That's a lot to go through. But Paul understood that he had been designed for something much greater in his life and if you think a little snake bite is going to stop him you're just simply wrong I wish somehow I could I could just take this and scoop it up and put it inside each and every one of us that we would realize that God has designed us for something greater in his kingdom oh hallelujah that he has designed our families, hallelujah, for something greater in this life than just what we are experiencing in this moment. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to keep preaching and teaching because I feel like I'm going to minister to somebody. And even if we don't have altar call because you're bored and you go home and just apply this, that's all right. But there is something that we've got to get a hold of, brother and sister Hera, in our life to realize that when real trouble comes blowing in, when it feels like the ground beneath us just comes apart, when it feels like the avalanche has collapsed on our head, hallelujah, when our health fails and our family fails and the money fails, hallelujah, and everything around us starts to crumble and we don't realize there's got to become a moment in our life where maybe it's just faith evidence that says, God's got greater things for me than this. I can't stop here. Even though Paul is now stranded on a beach and, and, and everybody around him thinks this is it for him, Paul maintained, this isn't it for me. I've got a greater calling and a greater thing to get to and a greater promise and anointing in my life. This isn't it. I can't stop here. Oh, hallelujah. I know it's easier said than done. I know it's easy to preach, hallelujah, until you get in that moment where you're sick and you're hurting and you're by yourself, and hallelujah, those around you are just waiting for you to die and give up and croak and throw in the towel. I know it's easy to preach that right now, hallelujah, but if I could just get you to look around at the evidence that God has put in your life, that you're made for greater, you're made for higher, you're made for stronger, you're made for deeper, hallelujah, that you could cling to that, and know that you can't stop here. And this is not the end game of your life. Hallelujah. Is this all right? Hallelujah. Praise God. Paul did not stop there. Hallelujah. I gave the guys, and I, I didn't mention it when I told them I was going to mention it. So if they don't put it up, it's okay by me. There's an acronym for the word stop, and it's in the form of a stop sign. Amen. And it says stop think, observe, proceed. Stop, think, observe, proceed. That's just a, a simple, if you're, if you're taking your uh, driver's test, you're a 15-year-old, you're going for your learner's permit, they'll just put that little stop sign. And what they're telling you is when you come to the stop sign, this is what you're supposed to do. Stop, think, observe, proceed. Don't stop, put it in park, text. 
get out of your car, abandon it, walk home. It, that's what we do sometimes as Christians. We come to those stop signs. We put it in park. We get out. We walk home. Well, that was the end. I'm done. I'm through. I can't do it from here. Can I encourage you in your spirit and in your prayer life that when you come to the stop signs that end up in your life, just stop, think, observe, and move on. God has greater for you. Can I get an amen? Watch this. I'm going to prove it with Paul. Paul went through all of that. Paul got the beast latched on his hand. Here's Paul's, here's Paul's attitude. How many of you like snakes? That's what I thought. Yeah, that's about 100% right there. All right? I'm comfortable with snakes. I have, of course, I don't want to sound like a snake handler now. I almost said I have handled snakes. Not that kind of Pentecostal, sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to break out the copperheads here in a minute. Don't worry. But I have dealt with them. I, I, I'm out in the wild, wildlife quite a bit out in the woods. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I've dealt with them. So I'm not necessarily afraid of them. But whenever I was younger, we used to go and, 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 and we would purposely look for them and catch them and do things me and my cousins would. You know, but there's something about a snake bite, even from, a, anybody know what a garter, garter snake is? Okay. They're probably the most docile, least venomous. Usually you can pick them up. They don't even bother to bite you or mess with you. They, they're, they're looking for ants and bugs and things like that. They don't, they're not worried about anything. But if you agitate one, it, it'll bite you. Amen? And there's just something about, you can know good and well, because <laughs> I've been there and done that, that you're holding that thing that cannot hurt you. It doesn't even have teeth. That it cannot hurt you, but when it latches onto your hand, you dance. Okay? It's like a swan. Okay? It doesn't matter. Can you imagine Paul... In a situation like that, where all he's doing is trying to gather some firewood and build a fire because it's cold and it's raining. And an actual venomous snake that can take your life latches onto him. And Paul goes, oh. Shakes it off in the fire. That's somebody. You know what Paul is famous for? One of my favorite quotes from Paul. What Paul is famous for this. I am persuaded. Oh, man. I wish I could lay that like concrete in your spirit. I am persuaded that nothing will separate me from the love of Christ. Not life, not death, not height, not, not principality, not power, not angel. Nothing, no creature, nothing will separate me because I'm persuaded persuaded what? that God's got something better for me I, I wish I could lay this like concrete in your life <laughs> that when trouble comes in your life I know, I know it's, it's asking a lot to say just shake it off in the fire and move on I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belittle your trouble that way okay because I've had some in my life amen that I couldn't just flip it off in the fire and, and, and move on 
But if at some point, please, child of God, if you could get it in your spirit, amen, when maybe all else has failed and you find yourself on your knees and tears running down your face, hallelujah, and the trouble and the trial and the tribulation and the pain and the anguish in your life seems like it's too much, if you could just remember, you know what? I'm persuaded. That's why Paul was so powerful. That's why Paul could be beaten and, and, and arrested and shipwrecked and bitten and, and all of those types of things and lied on and, and, and you name it. Paul's been through it in prison, hallelujah, and, and sing and worship. You know why? Paul was persuaded. I can't stop here. God's got a, 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 a calling on my life. He's got a direction in my life. He's got an anointing on my life. And I'm not talking about preachers here. I'm talking about every child of God that's sitting on a chair in this church. Amen. God has a calling and a purpose and a plan for your life, for your family, for your children, for your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. Hallelujah. He's got a will and a purpose and a plan for your life. What God needs you to do, what I need you to do, what you need to do, hallelujah, is when the viper latches onto your hand and you think that's it and that's the end, I need you to build a fire hallelujah I need you to have enough fire deep down inside you that says I am persuaded I'm persuaded that nothing's going to stop me I'm persuaded that God has a higher calling I'm persuaded that when I leave this place hallelujah God's got greater things I may walk out of this with scars I may walk out of here with wounds he's going to have guess what Paul had two little bites on his hand you know why because he did get bit When Paul walked up into the island, amen, to minister, he walked up there with bite marks on his hand. You may come out of your trial. You may come out of it on the other end. And you may have a limp, hallelujah. Or you may have some wounds. You may have some scars. You may walk different and look different and talk different, hallelujah. You may suffer some things, but I'm here to tell you there are greater things on the other side. You can't stop here. You can't stop in that circumstance. You can't get comfortable in your bed. You can't, hallelujah, just begin to live with your sickness. You can't just begin to live with your family dysfunctionality. You can't just accept that your kids are addicted. You can't do that. You can't stop here. You got to know that God has greater, more powerful things. Hallelujah. Paul left that situation after he shook that beast off in the fire. The Bible tells us that the man that ran that island, he was the greatest citizen of that island. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Invited him up. Hallelujah. To take care of him. And the Bible says that his dad was sick and Paul laid hands on him. And watch this. After he recovered, it says that they begin to bring all of those around him that were diseased and that were sick. At this point, it's not because they thought Paul was a God. It's because they saw the Paul, hallelujah, the God of Paul hallelujah had done some miraculous things I'm here to tell you after you shake it off and you move on I'm here to tell you when you get up into your ministry hallelujah it's going to be the miraculous praise God whenever you find yourself in that position where you can say you know what I'm persuaded I'm not going to let this kill me I'm not going to let this defeat me I'm here to tell you that's when you begin to see the fulfillment of the things in your life and in the kingdom of God can I get an amen? We can go, I bet I could give you a hundred examples in the Bible. Calm down, I won't. Amen. I bet I could give you a hundred examples, praise God, in the Bible where folks were in so much trouble 
that it was doomsday for them. But God. But more than God, they didn't just give up. They began to lean on that God. They began to seek the face of that God. They began to search for him and cry out to him. Even Job, in the greatest trouble of his life, said, I go forward and he's not there. I look for him on the left. I can't find him. I can't perceive him on the right. I go backwards and he's not there. Job said, even in my greatest trial, in my worst hour, in my, my biggest loss, hallelujah, I'm still looking for him. Amen. Amen. If you're in a famine, praise God. Let me just give you a few more examples. If you're in a famine and only have a little meal and a couple drops of oil before it appears you'll die, and God says, give it to someone else, just start baking. God's got this. If you're a single parent, amen, and the bill collector's coming and the bills are due, hallelujah, and you're about to lose everything, hallelujah, can I tell you when he says, go get some empty vessels, borrow not a few. God's got this. Can I get an Amen. Get persuaded in your, in your life. Amen. If your circumstances, praise God, have you paralyzed and you're afraid and you don't know what to do and all you've got is a couple of friends, hallelujah, and a single church service where you know Jesus is at, can I tell you, start peeling some shingles back. God's got you. Amen. God's going to hear you. God's going to answer you. Amen. Praise the Lord. When you've spent all on the doctors and on the medicine and you've been to the physicians and you've taken the tests and everything comes back uh, negative or positive, however you want to look at it, amen. And it all comes back, can I tell you this, just press through the crowd. Just keep reaching. Keep, keep, keep your determination that if I could just touch him, amen, I could get my answer. When the report comes that your kids are a lost cause, like Jairus, bring Jesus home anyway Jairus was waiting on Jesus and they told him your daughter's a lost cause it's over don't bother him Jairus brought him home anyway and God answered their prayers I'm persuaded when you wake up amen and you're in the pig slop you feel like you've lost everything and wasted everything and all the, uh, can I just bring it home to this? When you feel like you've lost all your anointing and the calling that God put on your life and you woke up in the pig slop and all of a sudden you're thinking, man, I wasted all of that. That's all over. I can't do that anymore. Everything God ever gave me, I wasted and threw away to the world. Amen. Can I tell you, if you'll run home to daddy, it doesn't even matter what the brothers and sisters say. God will embrace you. God will fall on you. God will use you. He will, you will never stop being his son. You'll never stop being his daughter. You'll never stop being his. You'll never stop being his. But the evidence around me says I'm in the pig pen and in the slop. Hallelujah. I'm a minister right here for just a minute. But the evidence all around me says it's all gone and it's all lost. And I'm undone and I can't get back. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, daddy's on the horizon. And he's watching for you. And he's calling for you. And you never stop being his kid. Hallelujah. 
but I never did what he told me to do. I wasted away with what he gave me. I'm here to tell you, he's got more He's got more where that came from. He can refill you, amen. He can replenish you. He can strengthen you, build you back up, reuse you, hallelujah. You've never gone too far that God isn't willing to fall on you again and embrace you as his own. Oh, hallelujah. You can't stop here. Wherever that is, wherever you are in your life, in your family, in your career, in your ministry, you can't stop there. No matter how good it is or how bad it is, how high it is, how low it is, you cannot stop there. God has greater for you and more for you. Can I get an amen? Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 36, and I'm coming to a close. The music wants to come. We're going to go back to our eunuch, amen. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. Say, that's evidence. The eunuch said, see, here is water. Because see, he's seeing it. What hinders me from being baptized? What is stopping me from fulfilling this? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Say that's evidence. Say that's evidence. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Some of us here, all of us, are in different walks, different situations and circumstances in our life. Can I just bring this to, because this is our ultimate responsibility, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I just bring this to a salvation point for just a moment? If you have repented of your sins, man, that's awesome. I wish I had more than two or three that would nod their head. Just give me a Sunday morning nod that repentance is awesome. Bible says that there's joy in the presence of the angels. When one sin, joy in the presence of the angels I'm just going to maybe this is my own personal interpretation I don't know I'm just going to say that's the Lord going alright 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 I like that there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents so repentance is awesome it is it's necessary it's a dying out to our sins can I get an amen because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, burial, and resurrection. Repentance is that death. Amen? Baptism is awesome. I love baptism. Now, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting down any of the other steps. But man, baptism is something cool. Baptism is where we, we hear the, the scripture, we are a new creature in Christ. Now, I want to be careful to point this out. It doesn't mean that you you become, I'm going to be careful how I explain this. Because if you're pretty rotten, after baptism, you probably shouldn't be rotten anymore. Okay, so let me, let me just say that. But you don't really become something different. Okay? I'm going to explain. Stay with me. Some of your, some of your theologians and scholars are, 
want me to bring this bring this point around. You become something new. I didn't become a different Keith. I became a new Keith. Oh, we went to a church in a day, the Harpole. Spent 19 hours up there, and the first thing that they they brought me to was the baptistry. As soon as I got there, I ended up being the only trim carpenter that was on the job site. And as soon as I got there, they, they rushed me over to the baptistry and they said, we need you to build the steps to the baptistry. And some of you probably saw the pictures on Facebook. We did a bunch of decorating and did some things to that baptistry and, and they were pretty cool. They weren't my ideas, but they were cool. It hit me when I got there and they rushed me over to that baptistry, Brother Steve. And they said, you have to lay the steps of the baptistry. You know, Brother Dale, we're preachers, so we go, oh, there's, there's something in that. There's a message in there somewhere. What do people say? That'll preach. Here's what happens when you lay the steps to the baptistry. It means that there are things that are taking place that are going to get you there. Now, could you run and cannonball into that tank? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's only about this high. You could do that. But really, what you want is to take some steps. Okay? Now, they also brought a bunch of barn wood, and tore, they tore down an old fence, and they brought it all on a big trailer, and they told me that that's what, this is what we want you to wrap that baptistry in. If you haven't seen the pictures, you can go look. It's a pretty neat idea. They called it, uh, Sister Harpole, Rustic Refined. So that was the joke all day long. You guys know I won't drive anything in the ground. Rustic refined. What they did was they took an old barn that had fallen down, an old fence that was no longer standing, and it was torn up and it was beat up and it had bullet holes in it, old nail holes. Believe it or not, it had mold on one side of it. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty rotten and nasty, this wood was. It even stunk a little bit. They were, while we were applying it, they were spraying it with leach water, trying to kill everything that might be in it. They took that old, dilapidated barn, fallen down, a fence that was no, of no use anymore, and they repurposed it in the baptistry. Baptism is awesome. I was filthy and undone. My mind wasn't right. My heart wasn't right. My life wasn't right. I was addicted. I had holes in my life. I was moldy and stinky and used and abused and fallen apart and no good. It couldn't be used for anything that I originally was made for. But in baptism, I became a new creation, repurposed for the kingdom of God. And to him I was beautiful. To him I was great. Baptism is awesome. Whatever you were before, you're still going to be Mark Miller. But he's going to repurpose you and use you for something else and redirect you. You may still have holes in you. You may still have some broken corners. You may not smell good, look good. He won't change any of that, hallelujah. But he's going to repurpose you and redesign you and recreate you for something great for his kingdom. Hallelujah.
I'm getting somewhere. Repentance is great and baptism is awesome, but I can't stop there. I can't stop there. Even though repentance makes me feel good and it makes heaven get glad, hallelujah. Even though baptism washes away my sins and I become new and repurposed and I got a clean slate and a blank page, hallelujah, I can't stop there. I need, hallelujah, I must. It's absolute that I am filled by His Spirit, hallelujah, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? That gives me power over that sin so that those old ways can't take me down again. So that what I used to do, I can have strength and power over it because in my own strength and in my own power, I will fail and fall and I'm no good and I can't do it and I'm useless and I'm weak, hallelujah, and I'm damaged, praise God. But when His Spirit, hallelujah, touches my life and fills my heart and strengthens my spirit, hallelujah, then like Paul said, I can say I'm persuaded I'm persuaded that I'm going to do the things that God has asked me to do. If you don't have any other evidence in your life but that you have repented of your sins, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm here to tell you, you ought to be persuaded. If you're here today, you've never repented of your sins, you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that it's for the remission of sins which means the removal of sins that means you go from a page of accusations to a blank page as far as God is concerned oh you may still bear the scars you may still have the wounds you may still have some trouble in your life hallelujah but as God is, as far as God is concerned you're a brand new baby hallelujah you're a new creation you're ready for use it's time to do something else you've done those things I'm going to encourage you today seek God while he may be found let him fill you with his precious spirit see we sometimes we use the gospel brother Miller and we want to we want to twist somebody's arm and tell them repent be baptized and get the Holy Ghost or else man I'm telling you this is something you ought to want if you don't get it today, you ought to wake up tomorrow and say, today's got to be the day. If you don't get it tomorrow, you better wake up the next day and say, this has got to be the day. If you haven't been baptized yet, you ought to say, I can't go another step, another moment, another hour, another day until I've gone in that water and I've taken on his name and I come out of there new and brand new. Hallelujah. This thing is awesome. This life is awesome. It's not a life of doing without. It's a life of having what I shouldn't have. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Will you stand with me today? I'm going to encourage you. Let's just pray for a minute. I think we ought to slow down for just a few moments. Church, would you, would you begin to reach for him right now? Would you begin to call out to him? Would you begin to cry out to him? Would you do that for just a moment? We're going to wait on the Lord. I want him to begin to stir and move in the hearts and the minds of his people, his children. Amen. Would you begin to talk to him? If you haven't talked to him in a long time, would you just begin to close your eyes, lift your hands, and just be able to crawl, to cry out to him? Amen. God, hear me today. God, hear your people today. Let our hearts and our minds, God, 